Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful, explosive time of worship. Thank you, Rod and Sandra. Isn't it great to make a joyful noise to the Lord? So it's Palm Sunday, and it's a very special time in, um, in history and what Jesus did and what he came to accomplish. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, 28 through 40. And we're going to dive into Jesus' triumphant entry. What a time of joy. Um, I can only imagine as I was worshiping, thinking about Jesus and the emotions that he would have felt during this time. Because he knew full well what he came to do. It wasn't like he was surprised by what the mob would soon do to him and what the people would do to him and how they would turn their backs on him. And yet he moved forward and he pressed ahead. What makes Jesus so different? You know, Jesus is so different, isn't he? Uh, and, and, and what makes Jesus so powerful and so special and so unique is uh, he is not just a good teacher, although he was a great teacher. He wasn't just a great healer, although he was a great healer. Jesus was God. And he came in human flesh to die for you and for me. And if he didn't do that, we might as well just go to a cute little meeting and have a cute potluck and uh, hope for the best. But we have a reason to celebrate today. Luke chapter 19, uh, 28 through 40. It says, After telling the story, Jesus went towards Jerusalem walking ahead of his disciples. And as he came to the town of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent his two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that has never, ever been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when they reached the place where the road started down to Mount Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. What a beautiful thing. At this time... Like we saw in that video, that beautiful video that Rod had for us. All this time, Jesus was doing all these miracles. Whenever something would happen, what did Jesus tell his disciples or the people that were healed? Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. He had this like drip campaign kind of thing. I think it was like teasing people. But it wasn't time yet. And uh, it was just an amazing thing, all this to come to a culmination. Turn real quick to Zechariah 9.9. I just wanted us to set up the prophecies that Christ fulfilled. This wasn't just an accident that they did lay palm branches down. It wasn't an accident. The timing of it and everything that happened there. It was an amazing thing that took place and there was a prophetic expression. Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your King is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Isn't that amazing? 
The exact time Zechariah 9.9 is being spoken forth, it was prophetically seen right in this moment here on this resurrection passion week, if you will, that Jesus would ride in on a donkey. And that maybe you all know this, and, and just kind of a reminder, Jesus riding on that donkey represented peace. Yeah, this was a king, the prince of so Jesus comes not as a wartime king, but as a peace king. In fact, we did a study, I think, months ago, Jim, we were talking about it. be very possible for that Caesar to be going in through another entrance, and he might have been on a war horse, and yet Jesus is on a donkey. What a crazy thing that he is the king of kings and lord of lords, yet he's riding on a donkey to represent peace. Amen. Jesus also knew full well as he rode into town there, that He was and is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Matthew Henry writes this about the Passover. The Passover was on the 14th day of the month. And this, the triumphal entry, was the 10th. The 10th day of the month was significant regarding the Passover. And I just want to build this up real quick. Turn to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to do a Bible quiz today. Exodus is your second book of the Bible at the very beginning there. First Passover. Jesus was fulfilling all the prophecies. Remember, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law, didn't He? And all of its righteous requirements... So as these people were gathering in Jerusalem, they were gathering that Passover lamb. Jesus here was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's look in verse 3 here. Uh, or actually in verse 2. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of each, uh, each uh, tenth day of the month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month and the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or the young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the house where they eat the animal. Isn't it just interesting becoming overwhelmed by Jesus and to be consumed by him? We understand that it is by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that we overcome. Amen. Jesus rides as a peacetime king knowing full well that he was going to be that sacrifice. Here's what also happens in his life, and I want you to know for this Palm Sunday for you and for me is that Jesus Christ asserts himself in that moment. Scripture tells us that Jesus went on ahead of his disciples. Isn't it great that Jesus doesn't stay back, but that he goes on ahead? He goes out ahead of us. And so when we go into our situations, we understand that when Christ is writing, he is not catching up with everyone else. We think sometimes, don't we, that God is catching up with me or you, don't we? God, come on, come on, hurry, hurry. No, no, no. He goes on ahead of you. And so the battles that you face right now, Christ has already been in the middle of them. Not just our sins and our setbacks, but in the triumphant entry for us, as He has inhabited the praises of His people, Christ goes forth before us. 
battles that you face right now, Christ has already won them. And so we don't praise God with happenstance, maybe this will work out, maybe my life will come together. We praise God because we are complete because Jesus already has won. How many feel like you haven't won yet, though? (laughs) I'm still trying to win here. And that's okay. Some of us praise from a place of, like, manifestation of what's happened. Some of us praise through something. And some of us are just waiting for things to happen. How many have praised in spite of things in your life before in here? You know, it's nothing to praise God when when you won the lotto, man. You get really happy either way. I mean, I'm happy you won the lotto. Great, wonderful. But man, it's another thing to praise God in the middle of things, isn't it? That's a very powerful place. But know this, that Christ is unapologetic in asserting himself as king in your life. I'm king. Pharisees tell Jesus, "Stop stop what they're doing. Stop this madness. Do you know what they're saying? They're saying, Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're proclaiming that you're Messiah. My response might have been, yes, and that's absolutely perfect. This is right. And Jesus says this. He goes, listen, if they don't praise me, those rocks that I created, every little pebble, every little stone I created, do you know that Jesus was present at creation? (laughs) Jesus is God all throughout. We we think Jesus is like, when we hear the Son of God, we think He's not part of the Trinity. Jesus was present at creation, Jesus tells us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Those rocks, they'll praise me if no one else does. And Jesus also isn't waiting for people to praise Him. Creation sings His praises all the time. We just happen to get the overflow of the blessing if we choose to partake in it. If you choose not to praise God right now in this storm, when will you? When will you? And when will we as a church rise up and celebrate and sing and be loud and be boisterous and go after the things of God for our life? We can be unashamed in our resolve and our absolute pandemonium for who Christ is right now in our life. Be unreserved in your praise of who God is. Be loud. Be boisterous. Folks, I want to challenge you today, this week, this month, this year. Don't let anyone else in this place take your praise from you. You be the one to set up. You be the one to say, I'm going to be the one to praise. I'm going to be the one to shout. I'm going to be the one to celebrate. I won't let a rock take my place. Turn to someone and say, I will not let a rock take my place. You know, here's the other thing too. You're going to have to figure out who Jesus is. I know we've been saved, but sometimes in life we forget who Jesus is. We deal with pain in our life and we forget that God's a deliverer. We deal with, with panic and we deal that realize that God is the one who calms the storm. We deal with money issues and we forget that Jesus is the great provider. 
We go through, through body issues and things like that in our life, healing, and we forget that God is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. We forget all these things about Christ. You know, Jesus turned to his disciples. Remember when he was working with them? And remember Peter, that awesome Peter. You know, the Catholic Church says the first apostle or the, the creator of all the church, he, he was the first pope, was who? Peter, right? But man, if you really strip down who Peter was, Peter was a hot mess all the time, wasn't he? I don't know if I personally would want to build my church on Peter, would you? I don't think the point is Peter. The point is the rock, the revelation, Jesus Christ. Peter one day is celebrating Jesus. The next day he's cursing his name. Jesus asks, and yet this Peter who's all over the map, anybody feel like you're all over the map like me? Anybody in here? I'm all over the map all the time. Who do you say I am, Peter? So the people, when they see Jesus coming into town, they take their coats off and they throw palm branches to, to celebrate this King, this Messiah. I believe that a lot of those people were completely misguided. They said, now is the time. Now is the time. You take over Rome. You're going to set up your throne right now. This is our opportunity. God, this is our opportunity to prove who you are. Anybody ever feel misguided in your prayers and stuff sometimes? God, this is your opportunity. Right now, right now, this is it. And we really assert ourselves in there and we're, we're misunderstanding and we're misguided. But nonetheless, they truly knew that that was the Messiah. And again, as a Christ follower and looking through Scripture and studying the Bible, those followers would have seen Zechariah. They would have seen the Old Testament Scripture and all those things that he said. Jesus made it very plain and clear in his final days here on earth to his disciples exactly how he would die. There was no confusion. But how many know we get blinded by our own ambitions, don't we? Peter, who do you say I am? So as Christ comes into your town, into your situation, you're going to decide who is Jesus right now to me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, Opinions, nothing but people's opinions. The list of them can be extended as long as one wants. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah. Some say you're a great man, Jesus. Others that you're an idealist. Others that you're a religious genius. Others that you're a hero, the greatest of leaders. Opinions, more or less serious opinions. But Christ doesn't want his church to be built on opinions. You know, you think about the different views. The church of Peter is not the church of opinions and views, but rather the church of revelation, not the church that talks about what people say. Folks, we, you know, you have the view. Anybody ever seen the view before? And the people on the view, all they do is they just talk about the latest opinions of the day. You know, we had another casualty of cancel culture. This happened last week for things said wrong or whatever. Do you know what the church has done now? We get to the point with Jesus now is we want to pet people and we kind of want to, we don't want to offend people. So we tell, man, Jesus, this is a great guy. Do you know saying Jesus is a great guy doesn't offend anyone? It really doesn't. It doesn't offend the world. The world is not offended by people attending church today. They're not offended by Easter Sunday. Thousands of people will join hands and celebrate Easter Sunday. But you know what the world gets really offended by? Is when you tell them that they need a Savior and that they're full of sin and that they are helpless without Jesus Christ. The church is built upon this revelation that my life is a mess without Christ. 
I don't need overhaul. I need a complete remake and remodel of my heart. I don't need opinions of man about what Christ... He was a good man. He was a carpenter. Who is this? Remember they battled with that when Jesus got up there and he said his first message and people were saying, wait, isn't this the son of a carpenter? Who is this guy? So we kind of look at Christ and we kind of pick and parcel what we want to work for us and how who Jesus is. But the world needs to hear loud and clear that He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins to give hope to the lost and for people who are completely uh, lost in their own ways. I urge you to seek Him, by the way. These followers sought Jesus out. They were ready. Not out of indifference or duty. God doesn't need you to praise Him out of duty. Okay? but with all of your heart. You know, God loves a broken and contrite heart. God, I'm praising you today. I don't feel like everything's going right all the time, but God, I simply trust you right now today. Folks, you'll start to see him. He'll start to stand out. I love what Matthew's Gospel says, that he was in the center of the crowd. Matthew 21, verse 9 says, and Jesus was right at the center of the crowd. Do you know what's great about our king too? The king doesn't go over there and it doesn't have a reserved seating. Do you know how you go to certain events and stuff and you're like, the really important people at the wedding ceremony, there's the family and all these things. And so you have a numbered and who are you? And you know, you're probably at the back corner somewhere, but the really important people are up here. Isn't it great that Jesus doesn't treat us this way? He goes to the crowds. The Bible tells us that Jesus was a friend of sinners, tax collectors and prostitutes. Jesus is a friend of the man begging on the corner. You know, at East State Street, it's become a real business right now of people asking for help. And now there's a guy that literally is at the corner and he's got a shopping cart. God is a friend of that man. Jesus is not just the friend of the, of the, ta- of, of the Pharisees. Jesus is in the middle of the crowd of the people who are the most undeserving that the world would think. And the church for that matter. You don't need a special service, by the way, to experience His power and His presence. Why don't you turn real quick to Psalm chapter 22, right in the middle of your Bible. Psalms 22. By the way, when you praise Him, it doesn't mean problems go away, but it does mean that you are centered and you're confident in the deliverance of Jesus Christ. I love what Psalm 22, verse 3 says. It says, Yet you are holy and you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. You are holy and you are enthroned in the praises of your people. Folks, you don't need to wait for a Palm Sunday service to sing Hosanna in your car. You can sing Hosanna in your room. You can say, God, I love you in your room. Say something, sing something. It's a beautiful, beautiful time for us right now. God enters our bleak and our desolate territories of life. It might be in the middle of a bathroom and all of a sudden you sense the presence of God. You might be in an office cubicle. You might be in the middle of the kitchen making dinner. And all of a sudden, it's an opportunity for you to sense and know the presence of God. It's a beautiful place where God's presence is. 
Surely the Lord is in this place. Remember this prayer Jacob had? He just stole the birthright. He was a lying, cheating stealer. Jacob. And he says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. So in the middle of a desolate situation, Jacob finds out that God is in the middle of that. When's it appropriate for God to show up? Anytime and all the time. Bruce Bickle writes this, the Bible gives example of God showing up in places that we would least expect. And Genesis 28.11 reads, when he reached a certain place, notice that the location is given no distinction other than that it was a certain place. That reference was a Hebrew way of saying that the spot was desolate, boring, and mundane, so obscure that it didn't even deserve a name. Jacob says this, that when he arrived to a certain place. Folks, you might be in a certain place right now, and Sandra, if you want to come up here and start playing. You might be in a certain place right now, and I believe this is for everyone in here. Desolate, not even deserving of a name. And you think for a moment right now, and you think right now about how desolate your situation may be, and you might think for a moment that this place is undeserving of the presence of God. And yet Jesus, with eyes like flint, pushed ahead, knowing that He would soon die for those people that were laying down those palms for Him. And not only would He die for those people and His followers, He would die for those people that would pull the hair from His beard and spit in His face and curse Him, and mock Him, and rip His robe in two, and whip Him. He would die for them too. And maybe your place is full of desolation, ruin, and chaos. And you have predetermined that this place is not the place God can show up. I want you to know that Christ comes in the middle of that place and He establishes Himself. He asserts Himself and He says, I am King here. And maybe you've said, God's presence is here and I didn't even realize it. Today, may we be aware so that we with our heart of hearts can throw down our palm branches and our cloaks and celebrate who God is. And as God begins to identify those things in your life that need adjustment and need healing now or situations to be fixed, realize this, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is with you, that He has never left you, and that He has never forsaken you. Be confident in this. I pray today that everyone in this place would have a spirit of praise and have a spirit of worship and understanding that Christ before us then who can be against us? That you praise with confidence, knowing that the name Jesus is the name above every other name. And that He died in your place and He died in my place. But maybe you've forgotten who Jesus is. In your own life, you've forgotten 
You haven't grabbed onto his cloak. I think of just touch the hem of his garment. Today, maybe in the crowd, you feel like you can't get to Christ because of everything else going on in your life. And maybe you're like the spirit of that woman who just simply touches the hem of his garment. No one else hears you. No one else sees sees you. No one understands you. But you touch Christ. And Jesus said those amazing words, who touched Today I pray a blessing over this house. I pray a blessing over all the families that are watching and worshiping with us. As we hold these palms in our hands, we realize that Christ in you, the hope of glory, that you do have hope today and you do have future. Today you say, Maybe right now, you've almost forgotten what that name means in your own life. It's been so clouded with other things. It's almost like you've forgotten. And you forgot about the beautiful name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, demons flee. We've forgotten the power in the middle of the battles that we fight. That we are to place our confidence in Him and Him only. Today, this isn't about your salvation right now, but it is maybe about a moment where you've just been, for, you've been very forgetful and you haven't been aware of God's presence and His glory in your life. And you're giving Him back your heart in those moments to understand that He is King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If that's you today, why don't you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you so that you can get yourself reoriented with Jesus in your life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this together. Jesus, thank you for entering the center of my situation. That you don't hang outside the camp but you come right in the middle of it. Today, I say that you are king of my life. That God, you're the deliverer. You're the healer. You're the restorer. I cling to you now. I celebrate you. I trust you. Thank you, God for saving me and my situation. In Jesus' name, amen. What a beautiful thing. What a difference a Savior makes. Amen? Folks, I love you so much, and we are in for a really awesome, awesome week ahead of us. I challenge you this week, even with the devotionals that we have that we're passing out, maybe download some stuff on the Week of the Passion Just read some things in Scripture. Maybe read through the Gospel of John this week. Do something a little different that maybe you haven't done this past Easter season. But don't forget this Friday night that's coming up at 6.30 that we will be celebrating the the cross and taking communion together. Invite a friend or a family member. It's not going to be a long service, but we just want to really connect uh, prior to that Resurrection Sunday. Amen?
Father, we just thank You for today. We thank You for the body of Christ, Lord, and thank You that we can fellowship together and enjoy Your presence. God, I thank You, God, that we can get back in that cafe now and enjoy some awesome treats that Tess brought us. Lord, thank You for the family of God. I just pray that there would be an intensity in our heart and an understanding, God, that You are faithful to us. Thank You, God, that when we've been unfaithful, You've been faithful. Thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and Your compassion. God, this week, as the King of Kings, may we have a peace that passes understanding reign in our hearts. As we focus and draw on You, that, God, we would just experience a peace this week, even in the middle of a storm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you so much.